You're listening to the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT podcast. I'm your host and curator, Rabbi Aprom Kivalevich, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Looking at the Alshech on Pesach, which is why you have a Shemos in front of you, uh, page Kuf Vav in Shemos, which on the inside is page 530. Okay, so the, the Alshech is in a very long um, discussion here. Um, where he talks about Mitzrayim, Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim, being the, I'm going to use the term, he doesn't quite use this term, the completion of the process of creation. There's a famous uh, teaching, often quotes from the uh, from the Kuzari, that when the uh, king asks the Jewish rabbi, "What do you guys believe?" He says, "We believe in God who took us out of Egypt, etc." So he says, "He took you out of Egypt? You mean you believe in God who created the world?" He says, "We we didn't see God create the world. We did see God take us out of Egypt, and then He told us He created the world. So the only reason why we believe He created the world is because He took us out, and He told us that." So, for us, Zecher Lamas Eberashas and Zecher Liyetzias Mitzrayim are interminably linked in a, a very, a very serious way. Not just because they're both the Zechers that we put into Kiddush, but because Yitzias Mitzrayim, for us, makes everything from Bereshis until HaChodesh HaZalachem gives everything a reality. Because even though HaChodesh HaZalachem is the first mitzvah which we receive in Mitzrayim, everything that exists before that is all because Hashem showed us these great miracles. So, he says, if you look on the inside of page 530, So he says, because this is so, Asu remez So, in a certain way, we are alluding through the Pesach Yamtav mm-hmm. to all of the creation of the world. By eating matzahs for seven days. They correspond to the seven days of creation. However, there's a difference between the different days of creation. However, on the, four, on the, the, the first day, which really refers to the 14th, the 14th being the day before Pesach, Tashbisu Sa'or, and you should get rid of all the leavening agents. Because on that day, you subdued the leavening agent within your own dough. Meaning that the Jewish people subdued their own Yetzirah. By going through the process of taking the lamb and slaughtering it. Because you risked your lives by slaughtering the abomination, meaning the idol of Egypt, before their own eyes. So the Torah wants us to start performing Pesach this Friday afternoon. 
even though Pesach begins on Friday night, the halachas of Pesach, the performance of Pesach, is going to begin on Friday afternoon, which is Erev Pesach. We have um, the reason why we are prohibited from chametz. eating chametz at a certain time and from burning in that early in the morning is because the Isser actually begins at noon, mid oraisa, biblically. We are prohibited from owning chametz, from from ha- from eating chametz certainly at noon. So the rabbis, what they did was they understood, and the Gemara actually says this very clearly, that in the old days there was a two-hour threshold about how much a person could be off in time based on cloud cover. So the most they could be off by is two hours. So that's why two hours before chatzos we don't no longer eat chametz. However, the prohibition of owning, which isn't as serious, that they re- let you rely on a one-hour threshold of error, which is why the Rabbanan added one, uh, one hour later, we're talking halachic hours now, but they, they gave us one more hour before we have to destroy the chametz. But the prohibitions begin on the 14th. Why? It's not Pesach yet. So he's saying, because the, there's no, you can't be Mekayim, um, the mitzvah, in fact, we don't eat matzah that day, um, Erev Pesach afternoon. We begin eating the matzah only that night. You certainly can't perform the mitzvahs of Maror or any of the other things in Sipi Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim. At the Seder, you actually say, Yachol Mibod Yom. Maybe we should have started earlier in the day. Right? Could you imagine if we could start the Seder at Erev Pesach in the afternoon? Uh, that uh, the, uh, the, We're not allowed to, because it's not Pesach yet. So then why are we... Why are we starting with the prohibition of chametz at noon? And the answer is, as he explains, because the the chametz represents your yetzer hara. It represents the evil inclination, which we, through the receiving of the Torah, got rid of. The first step that we took to rid ourselves of the yetzer hara, which would culminate then in 51 days later, when we would stand at Har Sinai without any Yetzirah at all, the first step to that process begins with a little Mesiris Nefesh, where we risked our lives, Hashem gave us the command to go and get the sheep, and we did so without fear. That was Shabbos HaGadol, which was, uh, which was what we celebrated yesterday. But to actually do the slaughtering publicly and kill the animals, that was way more dangerous than just collecting the sheep. And the fact that Klal Yisrael did it was the first step towards breaking their Yetzirah. Achiv akares. But the, that's still not the real prohibition of chametz. The only time when chametz is so prohibited that you would get the death penalty by the hands of heaven, Einarak miyom harishon ad yom hashvi. That's day one through day seven, which we celebrate with eight days, out of doubt. But, because when we witnessed that night, the actions of Hashem, it was so awesome. It's like the world was created at that time. When you sit there at the Seder, says the Al Shachakadish, it's like you are re-experiencing the first day of creation. And this would help to explain 
um, uh, why the holy books write that there is this tremendous light that comes down on Pesach night. We all have to try to access it. Everyone on their own level. You should not just be reading and uh, and translating and waiting for the soup to come out. We the, there is a, uh, a many great things that happen on this night, especially in the realm of what comes down to us even without us trying. And the reason is because this, he says, connects us to this place of Ayomer Elukim Yehi Or. Because had the Jewish people not left, the world would have been undone. The universe would have reset. As we know, if the Jewish people would have stayed a little bit more, they would have been totally lost. Which means that Hashem has to bring in creation. So it creates a very strange kind of, um, um, what's uh, the right word to use is, but this uh, kind of time, um, yeah, yeah. One of these, um, you know, complex, um, you know, time issues of um, creation being based on Yetzias Mitzrayim, and the Jewish people being about to leave, and because they get out on time, that retroactively validates creation, as if creation is now happening, and this is day one. Right. So many people who do celebrate the great light of, uh, but he's he's saying that you know in terms of the way time works, even though the first of Nisan, which is really the sixth day of creation, all of that is kind of folded into the first day of creation, which is the first day of Pesach. Right. After having nine makos and then them slaughtering the animal, would the Egyptians really have thought of killing the Jews for slaughtering their god? I mean, you know, here were outright miracles happening in front of them where they were being killed and tortured. It just seems hard for me to believe. It's like chased them to the Red Sea after the Six Day War. Like that, one of the Arab countries would come and you know, Right, but the truth is, if any Jew, any Jew after the Six-Day War, would have made a caricature of a certain prophet and put it on the cover of a magazine, I think there would have been another war. Yeah. So... I don't know. But anyway, I just... They did no. chase him right afterwards. It's a standard teaching <clears throat> that the Kaddish Baruch who chose the Jewish people only after the failures of Adam, after the failures of the ten generations, and then after the need to wipe out the Olam with the flood. So, assuming that HaKadosh Baruch Hu gave, his, gave those humans credit for free choice, how could he, at the time of creation, link creation to Yetzirah Mitzrayim? It was all contingent well, that's on a series of things that hadn't happened well, yet. That's why I'm saying this is one of those uh, complex time questions. which um, um, Time conundrums, there's a better word for it, though. Um, Anomaly? No, no, no. The, 
Uh, paradox, probably. Paradox, maybe. Paradox. Yes. Time paradoxes. Yeah. So it, it, it runs into that world, and so that's where the question is based on. But without getting too much into this, um, the simplest answer to give you would be that there has to be at least at some point some nation that's going to do it. And so whether, um, regardless of what's going to happen, someone's going to accept the Torah. And so that person is then going to validate and the fact that we chose it to be us. And once we started, Hashem took the path of Avram, Yitzchak, and then Yaakov, now if it's not going to be us, then the world's going to fall apart. So um, at, at, you know, at the beginning, in the, in the days of uh, Noah, it could have gone anywhere. It could have gone to Shem, it could have gone to Cham, it could have gone to Yafas. But once Avraham, um, then you chose Yitzchak and then Yaakov, which we actually describe. In our Pesach Seder, Hashem sent uh, you know, Yishmael, and then you gave Esav his Harsei, Lareshes, so, so the Yaakov of of Yard Mitzrayim, at that point, Hashem is, so to speak, put all his uh, chips in, uh, and then, if it fails, the world is going to go back to Tov But uh, th- this is why, this answers, as the Gemara explains, this answers a famous question for why, in creation, it says, Yom Echad, Yom Sheni, Yom Shlishi, Yom Ravi, and then for the seventh day, I'm sorry, for the sixth day, it says Yom Hashishi. It shouldn't say Hashishi, it says, should say Yom Shishi. And the answer is, says the Gemara, because it's actually referring to the sixth of Sivan. That Hashem put it, that's where Hashem, with that hey, put a clause into creation that until, unless the sixth of Sivan, the Jewish people accept the Torah, so it's the, uh, Yom Hashishi, there's a certain sixth day which the world is currently depending on. <coughs> so, okay. So he continues. When the Besov Parshuzu Amar Rabbi Sein Nizal, a sages tell us in Shemos Rabba, Kishivas Yemei Pesach, Hein Kineged Shivas Yemei Bereishis. The seven days of Pesach correspond to the seven days of creation. What he's trying to answer here is a famous question for why we celebrate seven days of Pesach. We shouldn't need seven days of Pesach. Maybe make a separate yamta for the seventh day which he'll say it kind of is. But uh, what's with all these intermediate days? I mean, what, what did Klal Yisrael do on the 18th of Nisan? We walked. All day. What do we do on the 19th of Nisan? We walked. We walked all day. So what are, what are we celebrating? Right? So so he's saying that... Huh? We were healthy then, right? If you can get it. So he says, because besides for besides for what happened in Mitzrayim, this what we're actually celebrating on the second day of Pesach is the second day of creation, and the third day of Pesach, the third day of creation. On the first day, which corresponds to the first day of creation. Shibo Nivra Kal Klalus Haolam, he says, all the, the, based on the Ramban, as we know, that all of the world, everything in creation, was created on the first day. The, the Ramban teaches us, uh, I don't know if anyone's ever seen it, if you haven't had a chance, you should certainly take a look at it. The Ramban in the Torah describes a very strange um, picture of creation. It's actually very difficult to understand how the Ramban could possibly come up with all this stuff. But he describes that the entire universe was contained in this one tiny little speck, and then all of a sudden everything burst forth from it, and out came from it, but all the material and all the thing, which is... Right, he makes a... Uh, right, he focuses on... 
but the Ramban describes the Big Bang in in the um, 800 years ago, and there's really no reason why he should have done that. It's okay; it's based on some Kabbalistic sources. But how did the Kabbalistic sources know these things? So the the one of the main points that the Ramban makes is that all of creation was already contained within that original speck of creation, which is of course the current uh, scientific approach as well, uh, and the the um, proof that the Ramban has is because the Torah does not say, let there be grass. It says, totse ha'aretz, let the earth give out what was already in it. So he says, because of that, we don't have seven separate days of Yom Tov. Can you imagine a seven-day Yom Tov? Or an, eight, or, or an eight-day Yom Tov? Right? Yeah. There'd be a lot more Unitarians. <laughs> so for one day, Unitarians. So the uh, he's he's well, yeah, Chutzlar uh, would be keeping eight straight days, or, or or maybe or maybe fourteen. Um, so he he says it's because in terms of creation. It was all really day one. The rest of the days it was all in potential. And they came out on each day. That's why the first day is a real Yom Tov. The seventh day of Pesach. The day that the sea was split. The splitting of the sea is the inclusion of all miracles, Keneged Yom Shabbos Shabrias Olam corresponds to the Shabbos of creation. Shabbuchla Kiyum Kal Habria, which includes the um, sustaining of all creation. So he says, if day one represents all of the world in its natural form, day seven of creation represents all the world in supernatural form. So the first day of Pesach represents the creation of the world in its uh, state as it was put in, and the seventh day, which is the splitting of the sea, represents the world as it is in supernatural. Okay. This is why the seventh day is another Yom Tov. There could be no work. Just like the first day, there's no work. Because in day one, what was created in day one? Just light. Nothing physical. Which was spiritual. It was a spiritual creation. So if on day one of creation and day seven were both spiritual creations, therefore Pesach, which is to relive those seven days of creation, day one and day seven are the holy days. Were it not for Shabbos, the world would be destroyed. That's why on these two days, only what you need to eat, which is to sustain the soul. Okay, now we're going to turn now. I want to move on from this, but just to kind of capture that idea, and maybe over Pesach night, you can ask yourself, um, what other correlations do you see between the first day of creation and the night of the Seder, besides for um, just both being times of the revelation of great light. Rabbi Yitzchak was born the first day of Pesach, right? Yeah. Is there any connection, any correlation? Well, yeah, all, I mean, the Gemara puts them together, that all the others were born on, 
on uh, in Nissan because they hold that the world was created in Nissan. Which Gemara is this? Uh, opinion. Uh, Rosh Hashanah, Yud Aleph. Right, we would assume it's an EM Kipper. Okay, on page Kuf Lamed Aleph, which is page 555. Okay. Now, this is not a practical Seder guide in terms of trying to understand Yitzhak Mitzrayim. But what the Alshech would like to show us is that you Seder is not just limited to Pesach night, but you can have a Seder all the time. One of the underappreciated parts of the Seder is the 15 steps themselves. Although we follow them, many people have a beautiful custom that before they get to each of the steps, they announce. And in fact, um, you know, where um, where uh, our custom is that before we uh, go to wash, we will actually say Rachza Motzi Matza Moror Korech. We'll actually say all those names out loud because we don't want to make any unnecessary interruptions between washing all the way till the end of Korech until time for Shulchan Aruch. So we just uh, make the announcement. But there's actually something about saying because these fifteen words they're not just random words that were inserted because there's um, some of them are actually difficult and if we would have given them a name we would have given them a different name so there's something special and significant about the names themselves and the approach that the Ashach is going to take is that these 15 steps are actually a guide to daily life Hine Kimi Asher Bachar Banu Yizbarach Hashem chose us and he did amazing wonders for us It was not a free ride. Hashem expects something for all those miracles. is now our obligation. to connect to Hashem. Hashem took us out to be His people. It's interesting that we say, uh, the, what are the four languages of redemption? V'hutseisi, v'yitzalti, v'gaalti, v'lakachti. V'hutseisi from what? Tachasivlos Mitzrayim. V'yitzalti, from the Avoda. V'gaalti, Right. Well, whatever Vagalti is going to end up referring to, that's that's right. Vakakti Eschem Lila'am. So, if you don't become the Am of Hashem, then you have not drunk the fourth cup of the Seder. So, the Seder, he says, is meant to lead you to a place where you are closer to Hashem. I don't know if I can over emphasize this ever, but it has to be. It has to be. Maybe I say this every Yom Tov, and maybe we should say it every Yom Tov, and maybe we should say this every day. But you have to come out of the Seder different than when you came in. Unless you're perfect, which, you may, which maybe you are. Perfect. Right. I, I, unless you are, the Seder has to change you and affect you in a positive way. 
So ulavair saor yitzrenu over Pesach we destroy the leavening of yitzrenu ara or evil inclination mekebenu within us. So that you remember that you're supposed to change yourself like this when you have the matzah and the maror. I'd like to use the seder of the night to give you a hint. Using the system that the ancients have given us to remember the order of the Seder, we're going to apply that to everyone's personal spiritual growth. So just like they gave you the names of these stations of the Seder, in order to help you remember what comes next, so I want you to use this every day and say to yourself, Kaddish Urchatz Karpas. Now what are the first three signs? Um, Kaddish, Urchatz, and Karpas, Vegomer, etc. Who Lirmos, this is meant to teach you the following. Kikal Ish Yisrael, every Jew. Ashechananu Hashem Das, Hashem has favored you with knowledge. Kiseichal v'chisiglo. You have intellect and you have ability. V'chisiglo yad sichlo. However, um, you've used your skills You've used your abilities. Ki lo To bring yourself to a place of impurity. Medivre avonos gavru menu out of the many sins that we have done. Uh, I would refer some of you to the shir. We, we spoke about Wednesday night, if you have a chance to listen to it. We talked about the idea that Pesach night requires teshuva. Before you begin the Seder, you're supposed to do Teshuvah. Uh, we talked about the Wednesday night, if you can uh, have a chance to listen to it, if you haven't. But, um, he's saying that the Seder night, uh, the, at this point, is supposed to make you question, what have I done? What have I done with my life? What am I doing now? Where am I going? Which should lead you to turn to Hashem. Because you're going to have to do repentance. But you have to start first with something easier. A lot of people just want to punish themselves for bad things, for their guilt. We want to punish ourselves, we want to tell ourselves off. It doesn't work. You cannot just chastise and punish yourself. The first thing that you have to do if you want to do teshuva, is start sanctifying yourself. Take on something, take on anything, anything, that makes you a holier person. That comes before you start doing teshuva and repentance and crying and praying for yourself. Before all that, take on something that makes you feel good and special about yourself. V'zeh Omer Kaddish, that's where the first station of the Seder is Kaddish. V'achikach roi l'chatirchatz, and then once you've elevated yourself and you're feeling spiritual holy, then, urchatz, you can begin to wash yourself and cleanse yourself. Mikal ashmas davar, from all sin. K'modat Omer, as it says, rachatzu hizaku, washing, is a metaphor for purification. Mikol tamruke teshuva ruim out of all the different processes of teshuva. Is there a, um, a is there embedded in this the idea that because we don't eat enough after we dip, 
or maybe we're going to come to this. Well, he's going to do dipping next, but oh, we'll see. Um, Carpas. That we actually have to withhold. Yeah, he's going to say that. We'll okay. see. Yeah. Very good. So, what he's saying is that the first process is Kaddish to sanctify and elevate yourself. Make your, do something special. Take on something. Take on something meaningful. Or and then you can begin a cleansing process. And this gets into this question, the famous question of Sumerava Seitov, you know, removing yourself from evil and doing good things, which comes first. So, uh, the, generally, the more Muster kind of approach is first get away from bad things and then you can start doing good things. The more kind of Hasidic approach is to do, um, first just start doing good and then, and then eventually it'll lead you to get rid of bad things. But he's kind of taking that middle path here, which is start with something good and then go towards the cleansing. And is that, Yaakov, is that what you were gonna? Yeah. Okay, good. Okay, so, once you started to cleanse yourself, then you start collecting um, some good midos. And he's going to explain um, um, that these two midos are achad, baltirdof achar hamoseros, not trying to, not indulging too much in life, not partaking of too much. A little bit of vegetables dipped into a little bit of vinegar um, out of your love for Hashem, represented by the Karpas. I think, of all the points he's going to make, I think this is actually the one which is probably most relevant. And uh, I, I, I'm not giving anyone any musr. All of us have to work on ourselves. But I think that what ends up happening is most of us lose the Seder to our impatience. We lose the Seder either to our own impatience or we lose the Seder to the impatience that we are feeling um, for other people. And it's hard, it's hard, because there's some people who you're just never going to convince to be patient at the Seder. As far as they're concerned, you can already bring out the soup. So, okay, but, however, in terms of ourselves, even if you're dealing with that, you don't want to lose the night. So he's saying that as much as Karpas is a metaphor in general for, you know what, you're going to have a little bit of potato or parsley or radish or what celery, celery right? You're going to have a little bit of whatever it is that your custom is to use for Karpas and you're going to have that and you are going to be completely satisfied. Try it. You're going to have that. You're going to have less than the Kazayas, which means... A very small amount. Many people take more than a kazayas. And, uh, uh, and that's actually a problem. Because if you take a kazayas, you need to make a bar in the fashas. And you've ruined the whole point of the karpas. You have to have a piece that's smaller than a kazayas. So while you are machmer, that the kazayas for matzah is eight pounds. Right? <laughs> you, you have to be machmer that the karpas is eight um, milligrams. Mm-hmm. So... Uh, yeah, is that is that right? Uh, yeah, so some the, do it to well, the size be of tiny. An egg. What? Like large olive, small egg. <coughs> well, well, no, because um, olives it's are smaller than eggs. Yeah. So I know. it's a, so, so smaller than an olive, than a small olive. It's a really small amount. And what the exercise that you're going to try to do is to actually be satisfied with that amount. And say, I'm good now. I've eaten. I can now spend the rest of the Seder in discussion and talk. Because, what do you mean, when's the food coming? We already ate. 
that, the, the thing the thing is that you know that that's kind of what he's what he's trying to bring out because much of what our life is about and what keeps us back is all of these impatiences and things that you know we just want to get on to the next thing it's it's really uh, a, a, a big problem when people start Shabbos you start Shabbos just waiting for the meal to begin and then you wait while you're in the meal you're waiting for the meal to end to you, so you mm-hmm. can go to sleep. And then you sleep so that you can wake up, so that you can go to shul, so that you can eat your next meal, so that you can nap, so that Shabbos can finally be over. And so you just spend all of Shabbos an hour behind, right? chasing whatever is coming in one hour from now. Well, so worse now because we're so instant gratification-oriented. Right? So he says the karpas represents not just that night, but our whole life, just being happy with what we have. Which are other vegetables, which are actually a lot healthier for you. Now, why do we use karpas as opposed to other vegetables? So, I should tell you, in ancient days, karpas actually had a translation. You um, want to know what the translation of the word karpas is? Well, it depends on what you actually do. But karpas meant a specific vegetable. <laughs> so he says, because karpas is meant to say, well then now, if I feel like this, if I say, listen, I should eat vegetables, you know, sometimes I go to places where people put out a spread, and they put out a spread of their personal foods, which I see people kind of walk by and say, oh wow, yeah, okay, I, I'll just eat afterwards. Right? Why? Because many times when we put out food, we put out food that we would like, we put out food that we would eat, and we don't think, I'm not saying everyone needs to put out um, um, prime rib uh, wherever wherever you're going anywhere. I'm just saying in general, when we are giving to other people, we want to, to a certain extent, limit them to our personal um, perspective on life and what's appropriate. So he says, any of these limitations you put, those are for you. Not for the poor person. You should fill his hand with whatever you have. Keep it tzedakah tikonin, because tzedakah is one of the greatest mitzvahs in the world. So he says, kafresh, the word karpas is spelled kafresh pesamach, kalomitimali kafbal resh vaoni. Kafresh means give fill the hand of the resh. A resh is a pauper, a person who's poor. Kaf is the palm. So give to the poor person. But more importantly, that whenever you give to a poor person, you have to also make them feel good about it. Use the right words. We know that someone who gives money to a poor person gets six blessings. Tzedakah is one of the most powerful mitzvahs in the world. Um, and uh, and one who gives, every time you give food or money to a poor person, you get six blessings. But if you use good words along with it, you actually get 11 brachas. Shulismoch mm-hmm. libo means to support his heart. After you give the poor person with your hand, you should also support him with your mouth. Mm-hmm. Make him feel good. And that's why the word is karpas, which is chaf, reish, give to the poor, pay samach, and speak to him and make him feel good about it. Wow. So you'll say, What can you do if you can't afford, if you're unable to? So it... 
that's not a problem. Whatever you have, you can give your small amount. Every person, based on how much they have, that's how much they're able to give. The halacha is that one of the 613 mitzvahs in the Torah is to give, is to, is to give tzedakah. Even the poor person is not exempt from the mitzvah of giving tzedakah. So someone who has nothing, there's a minimum requirement per year, which is about the equivalent of about $10, which I think most people end up somehow, regardless of how poor they are, end up somehow giving about may at least $10 to tzedakah. But tzedakah, that mitzvah, is based on each person, what they're able to, um, what they're able to give. V'zeu yachatz, yachatz means, shuprosa matzah break away a little bit of your matzah. Half to guard for later. And half you'll eat now. Why would why would that be represented by karpas? It should be represented by the brisket. I mean, why why make it such a six millimeter small vegetable instead well, he of said, making that's something that's limiting right. yourself. So you you should have a feeling for is it in for the poor. Well, he, he's not saying that. That's a nice shot. But he's yeah. saying that it comes from you limiting yourself, and then you limiting yourself. But not to others. I see. Right. Okay. All right, but I, I think you're right, though, that uh, certainly um, the carapace itself and uh, should make you feel like you know there's people who feel like this every night, right? That they that's get that they get. I think that's a, a fair shot. Yeah. So he's, I hear that carapace. Uh, I don't know where they put the samech, but when you put it backward, is farer. And Avodat Farah, to remember... Yeah, yeah, that, that's, that, that's a pshat. Uh, you know, there's a lot of pshat in Karpas because it's such a strange word that we don't often use. So there are other, yes, Samach Perach, the Samach, which is the 60 uh, myriad of Jews, like Shishim Ribo. So that, that's, that's one of the more uh, acceptable pshatim that's suggested. which means that when you break your bread and share it, that you are putting away the other half for Olam Haba. So we know that the Afikomen, you're putting it away for Tzafon, but he's learning that that's a metaphor for all the mitzvahs and all the great things which you do, which you put away for the future world. Um, now that you're in this, you removed all the impurity, and you've given tzedakah, and now you have divine support, you now have to teach others about it. So magid rachza, that's why you're washing the second time, because the first time was for yourself. Now you are magid rachza, you're helping others to cleanse themselves. Shiyirchatsu mitumasem, they should cleanse themselves of their impurity. Give other people these opportunities. And I like the, what this helps with, is why the first one is urchatz, and this one is rachza. So almost that extra hay um, is meant for it to be like you're expanding outward. So while at first, the, the first part of the seder might be more within yourself, rachza expands outward. Um, 
says, this is the process all year round to change your chametz into matzah. Usually the yetzer tov is hidden inside you, and what's usually outward is the evil inclination. When you do teshuva and you work on yourself, you can have a seder all year round eating only matzah, which is the yetzer tov, is emotzi matzah. Because your yetzer tov is your matzah. So, now, it's interesting that he puts that in, and uh, I, I guess this is all just food for thought. Um, less, less than the Kazais, yeah. So, um, but, but usually everyone always talks about Chametz being the Yetzir Hara. There really isn't that much emphasis on Matzah being the Yetzir Tov. And I would recommend, based on this Alshech, trying to introduce that into your Seder, where um, the, the, the more positive, not so much that we're avoiding chametz, so the matzah represents your yetzah tov, represents the humility, represents the person, the part of you that wants to do the right thing, and so what are we doing when we're breaking the, the yetzah tov in half for the smaller part, the bigger part? Talk about that, and again, this is just uh, opening thoughts. And you'll notice, of course, that the difference between chametz and matzah is a tiny little dot. Ki osis the den, osis the den have the same letters. Al shibazeh hey, ubazeh ches. One is a hey, one is a ches. Ki yetzatov kari talui, because the yetzatov has that hanging leg. Rem is the bali tshuva shenechnas on the sham, because the bali tshuva they go up in that space. Kamosh amur zal shol mazeh niver beheka achsadra. The world is a three-walled chamber. When you hold on to the Yetzirah, you know how you hold on to the Yetzirah? By that empty space, thereby closing it off. So that's also an interesting um, um, visual, that by when, when you, it's almost like you are that space between the Ches and the Hay. It's like you get stuck in there and you're not allowing yourself. That little tiny dot that fills in the space between the, between the leg and the roof of the ches, that's the sourdough in the dough. That's the leavening agent. Which leavens and ferments the dough. After you've reached the level of Motsi Matzah, then there's Hamoror, who Hayetzahara. That's interesting because usually the Yetzahara looks like Hametz, which is bread, which looks like a good thing. But once you've extracted the Yetzahara, what you're actually pulling out is the bitterness of the dough or the sourness, and now it's just pure Maror. Uh, should I, should able, I say that again? You're yes. able to yeah. see it as more... Beca- right. Before, right. it looked like something attractive. Right. Yeah. So, throughout the year, we have chametz, and it just looks like regular bread, because all of us feel normal and perfectly in control of ourselves. When in truth, it's the Yitzhahara that's controlling us and uh, telling us how to be. So, But we feel like regular bread. But once, right, when it comes before Pesach, we start cleaning our house for chametz, which means we're really clean, cleansing ourselves for chametz. Eventually, by the time we get to the Seder, we've extracted and pulled out the Yetzir Hara, which is what rots and ferments within the dough. And when you've pulled him out, he's no longer just Sa'or or chametz or just that stuff mm-hmm. that makes the... You now see the Yetzir Hara as pure maror. 
before the chetah of Adam Rishon, it's outside of... Right, and so you can see it as Mara. Well, you so, internalize it by eating the fruit. And what do you do? So, what most of us would want to do is once we're holding the Mara, we want to dump it in the garbage and throw it out. He says, no. Kimaru Now dip it into the mud. And then eat it. Like you conquered it? How, you're right. How should you eat it? Make a sandwich. Now that you've extracted your Yetzahar, you know what your troubles are, what your challenges are, what your difficulties are. You can hold them in your hand and say, there's me, and then there's these things that are holding me back, these things that are holding me down. I know them, I know me, I know my challenges, I know what I need to face. I can now hold that in my hand and wrap it in the matzah. Wrap the yetzotov with the yetzotah. Draw the yetzotah in to help you serve Hashem. As we say the plural in Levavcha, both your inclinations. And you know what you've done then? Then you've set up your table. And you'll eat in the future world. And that's why it feels like you're going to die before you're going to get to eat next. Because, because Shulchan Aruch represents the world that you're going to eat from in the after 120 years, so after the way to reach Shulchan Aruch is by going through this process where you motzi matzah, you bring out the matzah, thereby Let's leaving see. behind the maror, and then you uh, bring it back. Don't throw it out. Dip it in the charosas. Dip it in that, and then wrap it. And then you give thanks and you say halal shalcheres. That's the real freedom. Hepech halal shemigehanim. Shushal Avdos, as opposed to the, uh, the being in the state of Gehenim, which is slavery. And then, Nirza means you will have fulfilled your purpose in the world. He kind of uh, included it all. I'll never remember it enough to tell them. So what was Hidden away in the next world. Um, that was... Uh, oh, wow. That was Shulchan It's amazing. I thought that was Shulchan Well, no, no, that's what he's saying. He's tying it all up. Thanks for joining us for another episode from the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a single episode.